into the pulpit, you've taken the platform to right. say, let's see what they both say. Because right. God talks about these issues. Yeah. So let's see what God says and where God comes down on these issues. And if God comes down and this platform takes an opposite position, how can you plant your seed in something that's contrary to what God's going to bless? Can't. You can't. This is Pastor George Pearsons. We welcome you. We're so glad that you're here on this very special Believer's Voice of Victory edition called Faith for Our Nation. We're getting ready for the midterm elections, and everyone who can vote will vote. Amen? Amen. Amen. We are here with Buddy Pilgrim, who is a board member with Kenneth Copeland Ministries, very much involved in the political realm, the business realm. And then, of course, our guest, David Barton, president of Wall Builders. David, thank you for being here with us. My pleasure. And uh, yesterday we were talking about the, you were talking about the Ten Commandments and what we're looking for in the top issues of what to look for when voting. Uh, jump into that, David. Yeah, That's outstanding. What happens is in the political realm, and, and first off, just to recap yesterday, yeah. For a Christian, you do not have a right to vote. You have a duty to vote. Yep. So it's not optional for you. <clears throat> right. You will answer to God for what you do with your vote. It, it is something God gave you, as Bishop Butler covered a month ago. It's the seed God's given you. You're going to plant it somewhere. Yeah. And, and you better plant it with the right candidate, the right person. So how do you determine the right candidate? Well, God has dealt with every single issue a nation will face. Um, 613 laws he gave Israel. But he said, I've got my top ten. And here's, here's the most important stuff to me. Yeah. While, while economics is, and I, I don't mean me, I'm saying, God's saying, here's what's sure. important to me. Sure. So while economics and foreign affairs and immigration is important, religious acknowledgments is really important. I am the Lord thy God. First thing you do is acknowledge God first. So if you've got a secular-minded person that says, oh, no, we have separation church and state, and you can't say God in public, and pastors shouldn't be talking yeah. about stuff in the pulpit, you've got problems that can't. Right there off the top, you violated number one. Number one is you acknowledge God. And by the way, that is religious conscience as well, um, because acknowledging God means I have the right to live out what I believe God is telling me to do yes. in the public yes. arena. The right of and, and so the right of conscience, and if my conscience, if I'm little sisters of the poor, if I'm Hobby Lobby, and my conscience says I will not help yes. pay for somebody's right. abortion, right. that's the way I acknowledge God. Yeah. It, which, is, which is a very different thing than trying to force your beliefs on someone You bet else. it is. In fact, if you're a Christian and we're forcing you to pay for abortion, that is, if I were trying to do that, that would be me forcing my beliefs upon you. But you just trying to have the freedom. I just to want the freedom to say no. That's right. Yeah. I want the freedom That's not to say no. Your beliefs on someone. And, and, and Thomas Jefferson years ago, in the state of Virginia, they had um, they were so into being Christian that they forced every single citizen mm -hmm. to pay for Christian religion mm -hmm. in the state. They weren't opposed to that, but you had Baptists, you had Methodists, you had uh, Presbyterians. But everyone is forced to pay the Anglican religion in the state. Mm. And so Thomas yeah. Jefferson yeah. says to force a man to pay for that is sinful and tyrannical. 
Now, if he wants to pay the Presbyterian church, let him. But you're forcing him to pay a church he doesn't go to and doesn't participate. So that, that's it. Don't, make, don't force yeah. me to pay for your abortion. If you want abortion, I'm opposed to it. I'm going to fight it. But don't make me pay for it because I believe before God that that's me participating in taking a, a, a human life. Right. And same thing, if, if I'm Jack Phillips the baker, don't force me to use my skills yeah. to make a cake for a homosexual wedding. If you want to buy one of my cakes for a homosexual wedding, but don't force me to participate. See, that's, that all goes back to this. So if you get a candidate that says, oh, no, no, you, you, that's discrimination. No, it's not. It's me answering to God because I will stand before God. And you don't answer to God for me. I answer. And, and we, we know that conscience in many ways has got to be the same on what God speaks about. But in many ways, our consciences yeah. are different. And, and so, for example, in, in 1 Corinthians 8, Paul says, for me... I don't have any trouble eating meat offered to idols because I know that idols are just a bunch of dead wood and, and dead stones. He said, but there's others that they see that idol and they say, oh, man, that's a false god and I can't eat any meat offered. And Paul said, it doesn't bother me because I know that that's... He said, but whatever your conscience is, do not violate your conscience. We're told in First Timothy that if you sear your conscience, you shipwreck your faith. And so there are different denominations, and, and that's why a Quaker, their conscience is, I cannot join the military. I cannot d shed blood. Other guys are going to say, hey, if it's in a just war, the Bible says it's okay, that's fine. Yeah. If, if your conscience says you can, you go with your conscience. And that's not my personal wishes. Conscience is based on, I believe I will answer to God for what I do. Answer to oh, God. my conscience is I don't like paying for gas $4 a gallon. No, that's not conscience. That's, <laughs> that's your preference. Conscience is what you answer to God for. I believe that God has made very clear to me that I cannot do this. And if I do, I'm sinning against God. That's what you don't right. mess with. So that, you know, that, that's the first thing you look for. Now, understanding those things is why it's so important for Christians to be engaged in these elections. Mm -hmm. You gave some mm -hmm. statistics yesterday about the, the participation in the various elections, mm -hmm. in particular the off-year elections. Right. And in round numbers, about a fourth of the population of the United States citizenry is, will vote in an off-year yeah, election th three, like we're having Three this months year. from now, when we have the election in November, yeah. we'll expect probably, if it's statistically right, one out of four Americans is all that will vote in that That's election. Right. So if we as Christians stay more engaged than the average person, and we should because we have a duty to God to be engaged, mm -hmm. and if you're not a Christian, your first duty to God is to get to know Him. It's not to, it's not to obey all the principles. Right. If you don't know Him, all right. those things don't apply to you. If you do know Him, then these do apply to us, and we have this duty, as you say, to get involved, to vote, to vote His Word, to vote His principles, and pastors have a duty to tell their churches about that as That's well. Right. That's, That's right. one of the things I'd like for you to speak about for just a minute is I know that you spend, you spend more time than literally any other person I know, not figuratively speaking, literally speaking, more than any person that I know talking to pastors all around this mm -hmm. country to help them understand. But there may be some pastors listening today or some members of a church whose pastor doesn't understand not only his duty but his right as a pastor, uh, his responsibility as a pastor to teach this to his congregation. Yeah, let, let me address a mentality that's out there because George Barna is a very good friend. George mm -hmm. Barna, yeah, huge yeah. national pollster. Yeah. Yeah. He, he got a start in political polling. And we have used him for political polling. But he really is a Christian guy dedicated to seeing what Christians think and how Christians respond and trying to get the church moving right. in the right direction. Right. So there's 384,000 churches in America. 
He calls between five and six hundred churches every day, polling five to six hundred every day. And he starts by asking six basic questions. These are six questions that are non-negotiables of the Christian faith. Number one, do you believe that Jesus lived a sinless life? If you don't, you can't be saved. It's, Jesus got to be the sinless sacrifice, otherwise it doesn't work. Number two, do you believe the Bible is accurate in its teachings? Well, if it's not, you can't trust anything in there. Number three, do you believe there's absolute moral truth? Things like this. Mm -hmm. You know, is this God's yeah. ten suggestions or ten commandments? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, go through six questions really simple like that. Uh, does God get involved in the world today? Uh, is Satan a real or an imaginary being? So, six easy questions. You know that 72% of churches in America today say they do not agree with those six teachings. So, you're looking at 72% of churches that do not agree with the most basic elements of the Bible. That leaves you 28% that do. Well, that's 100,000 churches. That'll fix any nation. 100,000 yeah. churches, that's a piece of cake. Um, so, I mean, if I, if I could speak to a church a day for, for 100,000 churches, then all I'm looking at is years and years and years mm. of speaking churches. But, I mean, that's right, many right. churches. So, you take that and say, all right, that's good. Let's see how these guys think. So, then Barna says, okay, I'm going to focus on the 28%. So, he calls five to 600 every day. And this has been going on for months. And in, in talking to that group of five to 600 every day, he says, do you believe the Bible speaks to every issue of life? Because these are already pastors who say they agree with the Bible. Right. And he said, for example, and he gives 14 different issues. Do you think the Bible talks about immigration? Does the Bible talk about marriage? Does the Bible talk about abortion? Does the Bible talk about education? Does the Bible talk about economics? Right. goes through 14, 14. And depending on which one of those 14 you choose, between 91 and 97 percent of pastors say the Bible definitely addresses that issue. You're going, hallelujah. Mm -hmm. we got 28 percent of pastors who understand the Bible addresses all the things we face today. That is, that is great, 91 to 97 percent. Here's the next question he asked. He said, all right, you know the Bible addresses that, so have you ever addressed that from the pulpit, or will you address that from the pulpit? And at that point, 90% of pastors say, no way. That's a political issue. I will not deal with political issues in the pulpit. Time out. Wow. You just yeah. told us it was a biblical issue. What do you mean it's right. a political issue? See, what's happened is we're letting the government tell us what is political and what's not when the Bible already tells us. If it's, I'll point out every one of those 14 issues was there 2,500 years ago. America's only been here 400 years. Uh, it was here before anything was political. Right. So it's a yeah. biblical issue yeah. long before it's political. But we've got this compartmentalization mentality in the church that says, oh, that's secular stuff. I right. deal with right. salvation. Right. No, you deal with taking care of God's stuff. We talked about that yesterday. <laughs> God made us to tend His garden, to, to take the earth, to take dominion over every aspect. He, he said, take care of my stuff. And so, we've got to get pastors thinking differently, and that's what we do. Yeah. And so, when you look in the Bible, you take any of God's noted ministers, take Elijah. Elijah gets on top of Ahab and Jezebel and says, okay, you've suborned perjury in the courts, what you did with Naboth. And by the way, that's a bad use of eminent domain. And on top of that, you're doing religious persecution with all the God's... I mean, they go all these specific policies that Ahab and Jezebel right, are going right. through. And then you get Elijah saying, hey, I need to help you on some military issues because you're not understanding what the Syrians are trying to do. And you look at what God's ministers did, they were engaged in every aspect of public policy all along the way. Yeah. 
their whole job was to yeah. speak to the public arena. So these pastors say, okay, they agree that the Bible addresses all those issues, but they don't want to preach about them because they're political. That's this false concept that you can segment your life into spiritual things and political mm-hmm. things. I dealt with that same issue. I mentioned it on the broadcast we had with Bishop Butler a few weeks ago that I, I knew a man one time who said to me when I was talking about praying for a business issue, he said, God don't care about the business side of your life. God cares about the spiritual side of your life. Mm. Well, that means it would be okay to have a spiritual side and a business side, a spiritual side and a political side, spiritual side and the family relationship right, side. Right, right. And you can't do that. It's tr- it, you can't do it in those other areas. And we can't do it in the political arena as well because all of those affect every aspect. Every aspect. Uh, I'm in Congress all the time. I just got back just last night um, from being with dozens of congressmen and senators, and we were working on a bunch of issues. And I can point to two U.S. senators um, that we've dealt with over the years that one of them is just unabashedly open about relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm. If asked to pray in a public meeting, will always pray in Jesus' name, doesn't care who gets offended, is not going to back down at all. Uh, another one of these senators, very open about, man, look what was in the scriptures today, and I got to share Jesus with this guard, and sure. I got to share Jesus, just very open. Yeah. And they both vote for homosexual marriage, they both vote for partial birth abortions. They both vote against public religious acknowledgments of God. You're going, guys, what? What? Yeah. how do you do that? They said, well, yeah. here's my faith, but here's my job. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. No, your faith has to drive all the way through every aspect of your life. Yes. And so compartmentalizing your faith is unacceptable to God. He, he will not accept that excuse. He expects you to live by His standards in everything you do. And so that's part of what these pastors are doing is picking and choosing where to apply God's Word, and you can't do that. Now, that, that would be like saying, it's not okay for me to lie in my personal life, but it's okay for me to right. lie on the job. You can't do that. I mean, I deal with that in the teachings that I do in business <laughs> yep, all the exactly. time. You know, well, if I didn't separate these things out, it's okay to cheat somebody at work, as long as I don't cheat somebody in my personal life. Well, it, it, that's exactly yeah. it, because that business, oh, that's my business. The same with job here. Wait a minute. God says, don't shed innocent blood. Sinners says, well, I didn't kill anybody. But you voted for abortion? Yeah, but that's my job. No, no, no. You're shedding innocent blood. You may not have been the one to put the knife there, but you're the one who told the doctor to put the knife there. And you can't do that. I mean, you just can't do that. And so that aspect, you cannot compartmentalize. So what we're facing in this election is the tendency for Americans particularly to compartmentalize what they do in politics and say, oh, a party. I'm going to the party. No. What you got to go with is, we talked about it yesterday, God's top 10 issues. And there's going to be 40 or 50 issues in this election. What you're looking at is top 10. Now, we're told in Proverbs 14:34 that righteousness exalts a nation. And that's public policy. When you have the right kind of public policy, God will exalt a nation, even if you get the wrong kind of leaders. And I say that because you can have a Nebuchadnezzar who is not God's man, and God made real, and Cyrus, it said Cyrus did not know God, but he took steps that God blessed. So you can have a leader whose moral character is flawed that does things that God will absolutely bless. And the tendency Americans have is they compare, they they, they confute the leader with the policy. And I will say, you know, Trump, Stormy Daniels, all the scandals been going, what he did with porn yeah. law, 
All right, yeah. fine. Uh, that's really bad, reprehensible. Yeah. Yeah. But what he has done with Israel will cause God to bless the nation. Yeah. Yes. What he has done yes. with pro-life yes. will cause yes. God to bless the nation. Mm -hmm. What he has done with righteous judges will cause God to yes. bless. I'm not, I'm not endorsing his private life. I'm telling you, God will use flawed people to do the right things. And what you want to look at is policy and not yeah. character on, on those individuals. Not yeah. that we ignore character. We don't ignore the character or condone it. But when you have a choice of leaders, what you do is look at their positions. And, and in, the, uh, in, the, in the, the, the November election in particular, not necessarily in the primaries where you may have four or five different That's candidates right. running That's right. for an office, That's right. but in the general elections, whether it's a presidential election or an off-year election, it is by and large, or it is essentially a binary choice. There may be a libertarian candidate running or a green candidate or, or a blue candidate or a pink code, code pink candidate running, but by and large, the choice in terms of who's going to win is going to be between two choice. people. There's only it's two, a binary two choice. That's right. And even if you don't like the behavior of either one of the two, the issue is, or of both of the two, you need to look at where they stand on the issues. And, and you know, there, there's no question that they will try to make Trump the ballot this time. They're, they're voting against Trump and right. how bad his character is, and you can't vote for that, and Christians will say, I can't vote for that guy. You're not. You're voting for things like judges. And by the way, Isaiah 126 says the righteousness of a land is determined by the judges in the land. Buddy, you mentioned yesterday taking the Ten Commandments down off that Kentucky school wall, mm -hmm. and this is the, the mm -hmm. Supreme Court case in 1980, Stone v. Graham, was done by judges. We've never had a legislature say kids can't see the Ten Commandments. We've had judges say yep. that. It was not legislatures who gave us abortion on demand. It was judges. Sure. It was not legislatures That's who right. gave us gay marriage. Yeah. It was judges. Yeah. It was not legislatures who told us the rights of conscience don't matter. It was judges. And so Isaiah 126, God says the judges in your land determine the righteousness of your land. So I will tell you that from my standpoint, when I look at righteousness exalts a nation, mm -hmm. when I look at any federal election, the first thing I look at is what kind of judges will you give me? Because judges will determine the issues of religious expression, the issues of marriage, and the issues of abortion. That's determined by judges more than legislators. Right, right. So as I look at judges, I will say, you know what? We have 165 federal judicial vacancies on the court right now. Somebody's going to fill that, and it's going to be U.S. senators with President Trump. I will tell you that President Trump so far, and he's, he's made about 80 nominations to the federal courts, I have not found a single nomination that I would object to. And I have yeah. a really high standard as <laughs> yeah. a Christian and constitutional. Yeah. And I will say a bunch of the guys that I have worked with for years are yeah. now sitting on the court yeah. that Trump has put in there. And I'm going, wow, don't know what his private life, oh, I do know what his private life is like, and we don't like, but we... <laughs> hadn't I, I, been I, private I, enough. <laughs> that's right. I'll also point out that's years, yeah. that's years ago. What, what we know in recent years is not the same thing. Yeah. And so if we want to say he's had a change, that's great, because we don't know that anything going on now, they're all pointing backwards. But nonetheless... It doesn't change the fact that he's appointing, appointing judges that will bring righteousness to the land. Yes. And I'm going to make sure that we keep getting those kind of judges, which makes sure I've got to keep the Senate with, with guys that will do that. And so and whoever's running, you, that's yeah, what you want. When you look at that binary choice in this fall's election, you're going to have to decide, if I've got to pick a candidate who's going to 
continue to help him put those kind of judges in place or one that's going to oppose it. And there aren't enough pastors around the country. That One of the things I appreciate so much about Pastor George is he's bold to preach these things from the Oh, pulpit. he's squishing. I mean, this... George is right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, that's, that's why we're doing this program, right? Yes, yeah, that's right. exactly. That's he right. takes time from the pulpit to teach yeah. the difference in the two platforms. It's one of the things I appreciate that's about right. Brother Copeland. There, there's yeah. so many people I've met over the years that say, I would like to have the blessings in my life and the success sure. in my life, yep. the, the overall prosperity in every way in my life that the Copelands have in their life. Yep. One of the things I know about the Copelands is they apply all of the Word of God to all of their life. They, I, the first time I ever met Kenneth Copeland face-to-face was at a political event. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not going to tell you what it was or when it was <laughs> or any of that, story. but the point I'm making about that yep. is this man who, who you see and you say, boy, I'd love to have all those blessings like that in my life. He lives that out even right. in that side that's of his right. life as well. And, and George does it in what he preaches from the pulpit. And George, that's something I so much respect about you. And you set an example for other pastors and other churches all across the country. Even this broadcast that, that you've arranged here today sets the standard for others. Well, I, I mean, you've taken the pulpit, into the pulpit, you've taken the platforms right. and said, let's see what they both say. Because right. God talks about these issues. Yeah. So let's see what God says and where God comes down on these issues. And if God comes down and this platform takes an opposite position, how can you plant your seed in something that's contrary to what God's going to bless? You can't. You, you can't. And, and that's really where we are this election. Yeah. Throw the parties out the door. Throw the personalities out the door. Yes. Find the issues. Talk, yeah. talk, I think you should talk about that, George, because yeah. you're so good at articulating uh, how to how to discern these issues. Mm-hmm. You don't tell people how to vote. You tell people how to go to the Word. That's right and measure the issues. Talk yeah, I, I just did that with the, the platforms. It was a simple exercise, and that was to take both platforms and, and look at what the Word of God says. And I presented week after week. I did that with abortion. I did that with Israel. I did that with religious freedom. And just bringing to our congregation what the Word of God says about these. And it's, mm-hmm. it's obvious that there's one, there's one political party that leans more towards that than others. And that's why I'm so thankful that your name is listed in the Republican uh, uh, platform because of so many things. I mean, you brought out so many things. How many, how many of those points? You were telling me some time ago. Uh, on the platform? Uh, on the platform, yeah. And they tell me I have the, the record for the most amendments to a party platform <laughs> well, there ever. There you go. Because <laughs> uh, four years ago when we did it, I had 130 amendments, yep. and they accepted 129. Yep. This platform, I had 70 amendments, and they accepted all 70 of wow. those amendments. <laughs> so that, that platform, because where I am, yep. uh, look, God's not going to ask me if I'm a Republican or a Democrat when I get to heaven. That's right. God's going to ask me, where did you stand on Israel? Where did you stand on judges? Where did you stand on life, on marriage? And so that is a party that is friendly to my values that I can get in and do something right. with. Right. I hope the Democrats someday get to the point where we can have a fight over who has the most Christian candidate. There you go. But at this point, <laughs> that's, not, that's not the situation. Yep. At this yep. point, um, it was just a couple platforms ago in their convention, they took the word God all the way out of their platform. You could not find the word God in their platform. Right. You know, there, there's a YouTube of them trying to put God back in and all the booing that happened. Yeah, trying to put God. Yeah, yeah. You look how many times we put God in that platform. I we, counted it. We I mean, openly <laughs> acknowledge God. I did. I did. And, and, and you know, so... I, I, again, I work within the Republican Party because it's friendly to my values, which, yeah. interestingly enough, right now in America, the best indication of whether someone will vote Democrat or Republican is how often they go to church. Now, that blows pollsters away That's and that blows political people away. Wow. 
because if wow. you are frequent at church and if you know what God's Word says yeah. about issues, yeah. you find that yeah. to be very friendly. And you find that, you know, I'm, I told you it's just in Congress. We had a vote. Yeah. We had a vote just a few weeks ago in Congress where they said, and I, I, I know a girl I'm about to describe, they were trying to do an abortion and she was born before they finished the abortion. So she now no longer has an arm. They wow. cut off the arm trying to do the abortion. Wow. But the question is, if you're trying to abort a baby, a late-term abortion, partial birth abortion, and they're born before you aborted, do you go ahead and kill them now that they're on the table, or do you let them live once they're outside the womb? Wow. And we had that vote in Congress. 100% of Republicans say, no, you protect that life once it's on the table. Yeah. Only six Democrats said protect the life. The, other, the others, all but six, 98% of Democrats said, no, go ahead and kill the baby once it's on the table. No. Are you kidding me? It is so important that we're a part of this. Guys, we've got a break here, but listen, we'll be right back. So many great things are happening in this nation. We're going to see a turn coming up in this election. I'll see you in just a minute. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching from Kenneth Copeland Ministries. And remember, Jesus is Lord.